You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show on 710-KURV. Here's Sergio. Tim Snyder, MatadorEconomics.com, joining me right now. Thank you for joining me through this this journey, this long journey, uh, to finally see this LNG thing come to become a reality in South Texas, Tim. How you doing, brother? I'm doing wonderful. And, Sergio, I would be completely remiss if I didn't if I didn't just completely underscore what you just said, I got to tell folks though, um, and and you know I'm not I'm 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 a friend of the show, I'm a friend of the station, but I have to tell you the work that that KURV did on behalf of this project is is a, in a very large part uh, why you are having success with what you're dealing with today. And my hats off to you guys. Um, you know uh, I'm I'm just absolutely amazed at the the yeoman's work that you guys did to pull this thing through in the face of of the most you know headstrong uh, uh, work against any sort of fossil fuels and so congratulations on this project 18.4 billion dollar phase one on alone yeah, phase is one is true it's just the beginning and that's, yeah and there's something. two more after that so yeah. way to go Brownsville and Rio Grande Valley. Yeah, I, I know the headwinds are, are still there and they're still coming at us. And I, I laugh at these, um, you know, deep pocket trust fund. Uh, I call them carpetbaggers because they're not from here. They didn't grow up here. They didn't grow up poor. They didn't grow up without the opportunity and prosperity that they did. They, they've got their money in the bank. You know, trust fund babies. These environmentalists uh, they call out and they, they wind up going to court trying to, you know, put some hurdles in the way. Um, we'll be done with them. Our kids will benefit from the prosperity and opportunity from all these jobs, jobs, jobs coming here. Uh, tell me and uh, tell us a bit more about the LNG market uh, in the world and, and how this is so unique, how it's clean and how it's unique and how, you know, we likely will have this, this pipeline, you know, providing jobs and opportunity and wealth for quite some time. Tell me about this LNG market. Well, let's let's start from the standpoint of a fossil fuel, and you know what we're doing is we're taking natural gas and we're going to liquefy it, put it into a form that we can transport uh, more stably, uh, you know, throughout the world. Um, natural gas and LNG is the only fossil fuel that we have right now that can successfully move into just about every market around the world and help bridge the gap and. And Lord knows I am not a fan of going 100% uh, electric vehicles and electric everything in your life. But I will I will tell you the only way, which should have been the, the primary reason when they started this thing and the primary path, the only way for that to be successful is that you have to have a successful LNG-type program to bridge the gap. We know there are times when you look at the CREZ zone that we have up in West Texas, which is the uh, competitive renewable energy zone where wind always blows just about up in West Texas uh, and the sun burns and sun shines. Um, They don't always do that, you know, and we have to have the ability to fulfill and sustain our markets and keep our homes warm and keep our homes cooled, keep our businesses open, keep our people on the road and the economic engines of this country moving forward. LNG is the only way that we'll be able to do that, especially as we've slit the throats of coal and everything else. And that's what puts Brownsville not just at the 
beginning of the line right here, it puts it at the forefront of growth and development throughout the country, and it is an amazing accomplishment for you guys. Folks at Next Decade and uh, their project, uh, the, the Rio Grande Project, the LNG, uh, they have already secured the country. They they secure their customers. Uh, they've got folks waiting on delivery, I guess, like five or six years, when, whenever it is that they start loading up the, the ships with the LNG. And I guess as far as traditional fuels, LNG will be the fuel for the foreseeable future, even for um, other countries where, you know, our export facility at Browns will likely be sending to what, uh, Europe, uh, other places that, right, that maybe at the moment might be dependent on Russia. We can, we can fill that gap. We can provide that energy for allies and friends. Most top of mind right now is Germany. Uh, Germany is looking for LNG uh, opportunities as we speak. Now, I've been frantically trying since yesterday's announcement that came out about uh, just a little bit before 4 o'clock our time. Uh, I've been trying to find out how long it's going to take to build the plant. Um, you know, this, this decision yesterday um, was something that tells us that, that the groups that are working together um, next, uh, you know, uh, Oh gosh, uh, not next gen. Uh, next decade, uh-huh, next decade uh, yeah. is the is the parent is the parent company. But you know they've also got uh, global infrastructure partners. Uh, they've got Total Energies. Total Energies is probably who's going to market uh, the majority of this uh, LNG for uh, for the for the project. Uh, you've got the GIC group that's is a VC. You've got the Mobdala Investment Company. Um, you've got very solid. Uh, investment into these things and so they're going to they've already you know secured what what basically what we're doing is that we have secured the financing to begin the project that means that we have in in the banking world what we call clear to close and that is a great thing that's what we're going to be doing it's going to be going to to uh you know a lot of parts of southeast asia now um, will we compete with China and what Russia is trying to do? Yes, we most definitely will. But right now, if you need something that kind of touches on both sides of the fence from the green world and the, and the gray world, if you will, um, LNG is the only product that can bridge that gap. The port director's office and the gang over at uh, the Brownsville Navigation District, uh, the standard line right now, they say, uh, we move dirt on this soon. Uh, looks like it will take about five-plus years to finally build it and start exporting yeah. liquefied natural gas. Tim Snyder from MatadorEconomics.com is my guest. And we're here, people. We, we have arrived, uh, in, in case you're just joining the program and just plugging into South Texas News. LNG, liquefied natural gas, uh, export facility. $18.4 billion initial investment for the Rio Grande Valley for Brownsville specific with, can you imagine the, the spinoff, the multiplier, all these different equipment and uh, materials providers, 5,000 jobs coming to the area. Amigo, this is an economic earthquake. It's an economic hydrogen bomb. They just, it's the biggest economic business store ever for the Rio Grande Valley ever. It just happened. It was announced yesterday. It has been approved LNG to export from the Rio Grande Valley. And, and Tim, you know, you, we've, we've talked about this before. We're barely scratching the surface on, on the potential for Texas to be yes, a, a world leader in LNG. Now, we, we're getting energy from Eagleford. You know, we got pipelines down from Corpus to us. 
But where I stand right now, northern Mexico, southern Texas, there is an untapped resource of energy that let's yeah. say, you know, Mexico next year they have a presidential election. Let's say they finally get their ducks in order and decide to work with a more business-friendly American administration. Let's say Donald Trump is back up there or somebody that's more business-friendly um, and America first. Really. Work with Mexico to finally tap the energy beneath our feet here in northern Mexico, southern Texas. We could be the Saudi Arabia of LNG export if we wanted to. Just I wanted to give you the final thought on that. Oh no, completely. And you know that's the what you're talking the basin you're talking about in Mexico, northern Mexico is called the Burgos Basin. Um, you and I, Sergio, have had this conversation many times. I can remember you and me having this conversation back, you know, during the big freeze back in in February of 2020 or 21, whichever yeah. one was the bad the bad year. But having this very discussion and talking about how we need to, you know, get back and manage our energy opportunities because we could literally control the world. Right now, there is no leadership at all in not just fossil fuels, but any form of energy. You've got John Kerry in Washington, D.C. today uh, testifying to, before Congress about needing more trillions of dollars so that they can stop the planet from dying by the year 2030. So, yes, the uh, the task is large, but you guys took the tsunami of opportunity that came yesterday and are managing it very, very well. And hats off to you. KURV, job well done. Thank you, Tim. Call you again, my brother, Tim Snyder. Look for his newsletter, matadoreconomics.com. This is The Sergio Show. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Let's go to the nation's capital. Our Senator Ted Cruz chiming in. Well, if this border mess can't be fixed by a fractured government up in D.C. and we still don't have the numbers to change border security policy and all that... Let's shift gears to something we can do. And again, on this day, we've got this just amazing news, transformative economic news for South Texas, with the Rio Grande Valley, Port of Brownsville, and LNG to be export. Final investment decision made. It's here. It's done after, what was it, like eight years of regulatory process, millions of dollars by the investor, by the way, next decade in company. They're the ones who paid all the millions of dollars in bills, regulatory studies, all that stuff, finally cleared. And they made final investment decision. They're coming to Brownsville, setting up that note, 5,000-plus jobs, other hundreds of permanent jobs, $18.5 billion private sector injection to the Rio Grande Valley. Absolutely the biggest economic story ever here in, in South Texas. I'm bringing in our Senator Ted Cruz to react to this because he's working on legislation to complement 
trade and commerce as well at the, at the bridges. But just want to get your thoughts real quick, Ted, on on the this big story for South Texas and for Texas as well. Well, Sergio, good morning. It's great to be with you. Uh, you're right. This is fantastic news that next decade is investing $18.5 billion into an LNG plant in South Texas and Brownsville that's going to produce over 5,000 jobs uh, in the Rio Grande Valley. That is enormously consequential. Uh, I have been leaning in vigorously with the Biden administration, pressing the Biden administration to give the green light for the project. And this is going to make a big difference to South Texas, and it is it, it is cause for celebration. Yep. And, and look, it's p- part of a broader story uh, as to why people from all over the country are coming to the state of Texas, because Texas is where the jobs are. Texas is where we have an environment where people want to invest capital. People want to create new facilities, create new jobs. And, and the reason people come to Texas is, is that is that Texans in every part of the state want high-paying jobs, they want opportunities, they want to be able to provide for their kids. And uh, as long as the federal government doesn't get in the way and screw it up, and sadly the Biden administration does that a lot, uh, but if we can get the federal government out of the way, Texas will continue to be an oasis for jobs and for freedom. I was told by your staff that you're working on legislation related to international bridges. And around here, you can just imagine with that superhighway connecting South Texas uh, this region to the Pacific side, right? Just a straight shot from the Mexican port. In this age where, you know, post-COVID age, where we're coming, you know, to grips with the reality that we are too dependent on China, we're trying to reshore some industry to the U.S. or maybe with Amigos nearby with international parks and, and manufacturing parks in Mexico, that superhighway to the Pacific side and the ports, everything that is accessible now. Those bridges, the international bridges for commerce and more commercial bridges, we need more of that. So what are you working on right now to see if we can fix this commerce thing? Well, I just mentioned a minute minute ago, if the federal government doesn't screw it up, that we will continue to be an oasis for jobs. When it comes to international bridges, bridges across the Rio Grande between Texas and Mexico, sadly, the Biden administration is doing everything they can to screw it up. Specifically, there are four bridge projects, uh, two in Webb County, one in Cameron County, one in Maverick County, that are either building new bridges or expanding existing bridges. And the reason is the demand is overwhelming. There's an enormous amount of commerce, both going south from Texas to Mexico and also coming north from Mexico to Texas. A lot of manufacturing, as you mentioned, manufacturing that had been in China that's coming to Mexico, which is good for Mexico and it's good for Texas. But the infrastructure we have is not nearly sufficient to meet the demand. And, and what the Biden administration has done is they put in place a massive bureaucratic roadblock, which is in order to build a bridge, an international bridge, or to expand an international bridge, you have to get a presidential permit. Now, under the Trump administration, they would grant those permits conditional on ultimately completing the environmental reviews that are required by federal law. The Biden administration decided they would deny the presidential permit. They would not issue it until after all the environmental reviews have been completed. What that does is delays every one of those bridge projects by years and potentially permanently because the investors are having difficulty getting funding for the bridge projects until the presidential permit is granted. And so I have been leaning in vigorously with the White House, with the State Department, with the Department of Transportation, to go back to the way it used to be, to grant the permit, 
the environmental reviews will still happen, but, but let's expedite this process because it's good for jobs, uh, it, it, it is good for international commerce, it is good for national security, and it's also good for the environment. As you know well, if you look, for example, uh, at, at the, the, the bridge in Laredo, you'll see 18 wheelers backed up three, four hours. It's the single largest land port in America. And they sit there, and when they're sitting there, they're spewing pollution into the air. If you expand the bridge, those trucks can move more quickly. You have less pollution. So it's better for the environment, better for jobs, and, and, and it's enormously consequential for South Texas. Do you have amigos helping you out? Um, can this be a bipartisan push to make sure to grease the skids and, and, again, reverse, go back to the previous way? So I do. And, and in South Texas, we have complete bipartisan agreement. So, so I brought together a coalition consisting of uh, the representatives from South Texas. So consisting of two Democrats, Vicente Gonzalez and Henry Cuellar, and Monica De La Cruz and yeah. Tony Gonzalez. So all, all four South Texas congressmen and women, two Democrats, two Republicans, have joined with me and joined with John Cornyn in pressing the Biden administration to reverse this policy that does nothing good. It accomplishes nothing beneficial. It's just needless bureaucracy that is hurting South Texas. I can tell you uh, I am getting ready this morning to go into the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. We're, we're marking up the, uh, the authorization for the State Department. I have an amendment that I'm going to fight for to clear these bridges, to allow them to be built. And, and unfortunately, right now, the Democrats are blocking the amendment. They have zero argument. They have no substantive reason. Uh, but Senate Democrats, at the end of the day, I, I, I got to say it's a bizarre position for Democrats that they are, number one, in favor of illegal immigration and open borders and the chaos at the southern border. But number two, they're happy to put massive roadblocks in the way to legal commerce, to, to trade and commerce between Texas and Mexico. It makes no sense, and, and it is incredibly harmful to the people of South Texas. Yeah, to put the environmental stuff first in line, it just, you know, all these trust fund tree huggers in the area, they've got their money already, but, you know, the way I see it, they would easily deny prosperity and opportunity for our kids or families that are climbing out of poverty here on the border in South Texas. If it was up to them... We wouldn't have we would not have SpaceX. Elon Musk Elon Musk would not be at Brownsville. Yep. It was up to them. Uh, this LNG project with billions of dollars, private sector, not not federal funds, not some not some big uh, block fund from taxpayer money. No, we're talking about private sector. The, you know, the real golden goose egg coming to this area. The private sector money coming to this area with jobs, jobs, jobs everywhere. That would not exist if, if these. You know, trust fund tree huggers that you know call up you know environmental groups. If they had a chance to block, and they're still trying to block this here in South Texas, I, I'm, it's not the last headline. I'm sure people dragging LNG projects or Elon Musk to court, uh, but but things are changing in South Texas, and um, I hope we continue the fight to allow the market to provide this prosperity and opportunity for our families here in South Texas. I'll give you the final word. Well, Sergio, my number one priority in the Senate is jobs, and it is laser-focused on jobs, jobs, jobs. And that's true whether it is fighting for this new LNG plan in Brownsville, and that's great news. And as I said, I've been leaning in hard on the Biden administration to allow it to go forward. That's a massive investment for the Rio Grande Valley. 
or whether it's fighting to build and expand these bridges, which again means jobs, it means, means high wages, it means prosperity for the people of South Texas. And once again, unfortunately, I'm fighting against bureaucrats in Washington. And important, importantly, the bureaucrats in Washington, they're, they're not even trying to protect the environment. Uh, under existing law, there will be a full environmental review. That, that's not in dispute. What they're doing is putting an additional bureaucratic roadblock that delays everything by years because Joe Biden is personally denying the presidential permit, which is making it harder to get the financing. And when you ask them, how does this benefit the environment? They have no argument. In fact, they are hurting the environment right now. There's more pollution. There's more carbon emitted. It is worse for the environment and it's worse for jobs, what Democrats are doing. And they don't have a single argument but they're nonetheless digging in. And, and so every day, my job is to fight for the people of South Texas and fight for 30 million Texans across our great state. Be safe, amigo. Come and see us next time you're in town. Take care. God bless. Our Senator Ted Cruz. This is The Sergio Show. Start your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's morning news. Weekday mornings starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day and special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. Well, let's now enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's morning news with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday mornings starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. I think they finally figured out what to do with the property tax relief. And from the Quorum Report, Mr. K, Harvey Kromberg joining us. So what is it that they, hey, dis- what is it that they decided <laughs> to do finally, Mr. K? What, 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 what relief will we see? Yeah, they did pretty much what we knew they were going to do uh, three months ago. Um, uh-huh. They took something from uh, both sides of the... Uh, the argument and melded it together. And uh, um, so it will be this, if, if you're a homeowner, not a renter, but if you're a homeowner, uh, you will see the value of your, the appraised value of your house, uh, excuse me, your homestead exemption ex- increased by $100,000 to $100,000 from 40000 today. So okay. say you have a half a million dollar home, uh, the taxable value uh, based on your homestead exemption will only be 400000 yeah. So the guesstimate is right now that uh, that uh, will produce about $1,000 um, uh, in reduced property taxes for most Texas homeowners. Okay. Um, in addition to which, they have um, done what they should have done in, for the last 20 years, which is put money back into education so your local taxing authorities don't have to fill the hole. Um, um, but that's when, that one is more problematic because uh, I, I think the number was um, uh, $7 million. I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, as school populations increase, that number will have to increase and have to be reauthorized every year. And if, so far, the economy looks pretty good in Texas, but yeah. if we were to have a downturn, uh, that would have a negative consequence. And back in 2011, they cut school funding by 5% during a recession. So uh, that money is not not permanent. And then uh, uh, just as a sweetener, which nobody really figured out, uh, if you have a, uh, a second uh, or third property that is not homesteaded, um, 
there's uh, they're doing an experiment so that your appraisal can't go over 20% uh, or can't increase more than 20% per year. Wow. Um, which uh, I'm not sure what the value of that's going to try. We, we haven't really seen this all projected out yet in terms of from the comptroller in terms of uh, what that what that really means, both in terms of savings for real people, et cetera. But it's obviously to some degree at least a bone to business because it's uh, or uh, or to landlords because this is non-residential property or not. It's not your home. It's uh, any other property you may yeah. own under under a that's value of five million. Property, yeah. so. I was wondering where that would be applied because twenty percent put a cap on that. That would seem like it's that's a pretty high uh, margin, a, a high cap. But then I'm thinking of all the capital investments that some of these businesses would make and rent rent rental properties or maybe refurbishment of of business properties, it would increase exponentially by millions of dollars the potential value of that because of all the money they put in there. So only taxing and only increasing the tax by 20%, that seems to be somewhat significant, but again... The, it the, could be. The, I, uh, I'll just say I live in Austin, Texas. I have a vacant lot that uh, I've owned for a million years, and but the, value, the appraised value of it, because it's Austin and we've gone crazy, we've gone nuts in terms of real estate in Austin, yeah. uh, probably got, uh, well, I know it got, over the last two years, it got revalued up by about 60%, so I would, I would feel the consequence. And this is just a vacant lot, so you can imagine if you had some development on it, uh, or it was a rental home, or something to that effect. Uh, wow. uh, it could be kind of, in a place like Austin, where uh, appraised values have just gone nuts. Uh, yeah. uh, it, it, it could be consequential, but it's not going to reach most of the most people in the state. From uh, it also gives some it also gives some relief to small business owners. From Corm Report, Harry Cronberg joining us, Mr. K. This tax compression thing uh, is there. Is there an easy way for you do you to explain yes. that to, to working people? What is that? Sure. Yeah. The uh, uh, back when I started doing this in 1989, uh, the state funded 50 percent of public education. In the uh, 35 years that I've been doing this, the amount, the percentage of public education the state funds has dropped to about 33, 34 percent, which means your local property tax people have to make up the difference on your property taxes. What compression is, is actually putting the money back into public schools. Uh, so we're going, we're going to go from 33% to maybe 36 or 37% with this. The, they call it tax compression. All they're doing is putting money into public schools. Okay. Uh, and that allows your local property tax folks not to have to raise as much as they would, um, would otherwise because most of, not most, a good chunk of your property tax increases is because the state has abrogated its responsibility in funding public education and has had dramatically over 20 years reduced the amount, the percentage of public education it pays for. Somebody's got to pay for it, and the, the population of the state is, we still have, I think, 1,300 people a day moving to Texas. Well, yeah. So <laughs> when you think about that, every time you flip on a light switch, it's a record number of light switches being flipped on, and public schools are exactly the same. So um, people arrive, and it, you, it's hard to raise money before they get here. <laughs> Um, so we're always chasing our tail in, in terms of uh, being able to fund public education, but the the state has just uh, simply uh, backed away from uh, what it did uh, back in the uh, 80s and 90s, which was somewhere between 45 and 50 percent of the of the cost of schools was paid for by the state. Harvey Kronberg, my guest, uh, 
from Austin. Let me ask you this real quick before I, I, I pivot to another topic that is yeah. big time in the news. Has anyone, and man, I've completely forgot. Greg Abbott and I talked about this oof, some years back. I wouldn't say it was like pre-pandemic. Uh, and he was he was on a campaign back then. There was a lot of talk about uh, maybe going to a, a hybrid where we increase the sales tax and decrease the property tax and all that. And I remember asking him the question. I just don't remember what the answer was. Uh, do, do you know some of the numbers that have been thrown out? If Texas were to just outright get rid of property taxes, you own your property outright, right? What would the mm-hmm. sales tax need to be in Texas? Would it need to go from like 6% to 17%, 6% to 20%? What would the sales tax need to be in Texas to continue to fund government? According to the lieutenant governor, it would be about 20%. Um uh, which would be uh, would which would essentially destroy the economy of Texas because you would be buying you would be going to Louisiana, Arkansas, Oklahoma, New Mexico buy stuff. to buy as many things as you could uh, because and and business would stop coming here because the cost of doing business would be so punitive mm-hmm. um, uh, if if they were going to have to collect sales tax so that's that's a non-starter I don't think that. Uh, well, one of the ideas, because we had such a huge budget surplus this time, was to do a two-year sales tax rollback to 5% instead of 6%. Um, that got nixed, that, but that would have obviously impacted everybody. That would have had a positive effect on the economy, too. But um, if we got rid of property taxes or if it's called M&O taxes, maintenance and operation, that's what most of your school property taxes go for. Uh, he's been talking about getting rid of maintenance and operation fees, but the um, at such a, a huge number that uh, uh, I think uh, uh, and and the the pressure for exemptions would be um, would would go through the roof. For instance, right now, food and most food and, and uh, pharmaceuticals are not taxable, but yeah. uh, there would be a, a a rush to get whatever your product is exempted. And Austin being what it is, I'm not sure that that wouldn't uh, be an effective Man. strategy. Man, that, that's a windfall for all the consultants and, and representatives of <laughs> different industries up, up in the Austin. consultants pretty much always win. Yeah, 10-4. <laughs> Carvey Cromberg from Corn Report, my guess. Okay, so let me pivot to the river. And these, um, and if you don't know the answer, that that's fine. We, we can close up. I, look, I'm looking for a dollar figure on this. These uh, DPS dodgeballs, the uh, the border beads, the, mm-hmm. the 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 big balls on in the river uh, that are like the river um, border wall that the governor, like, how much is it? Like, how how much money? Who stores this? Is DPS or like military units or like where is this coming from? Are they going to buy some more? Who's you know, how are we paying for this, and what, what, well, what do you know? Well, um, um, uh, just to give it put in perspective, um, uh, we we had this record budget surplus. We put a billion dollars into broadband. We put a billion dollars into water-related uh, issues, uh, and a billion dollars or so into the grid, and that's still less than we're spending on the border. Um, if the the uh, the guesstimate is, and uh, that's all it really is, is that this the the cost of materials uh, is a million bucks for these 
these movable buoys okay. that they're putting in. A million bucks per uh, how, which, how, a, a million bucks per mile, a billion a million bucks per X distance, or for whatever the proposed project is today. And I, I tell you the truth, I do not know okay. how long that uh, that's the how what the length of the uh, barrier barrier is going to be, okay. but it is movable, so uh, it's dramatically less expensive than a fence, and it is. Um, uh, dramatically more mobile than a fence if you decide that that's necessary. Um, and uh, it, it's a clever, yeah, I'm, I, I'm not sure it's workable, but it seems like a clever and relatively inexpensive alternative to what, what the other proposals have been. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, you know the border better than I do, but, but well, my I, limited experience with it is that uh, where where there's an opportunity, that that's, that's where it's going to happen. Um, and so you set up a barricade here. Uh, they go down in rivers three or four miles. I, I, I you know, I, I don't mean to. I don't it's want to an interesting. Yeah, again. it's my, this came out completely out of right field. I was not expecting any, and I find it well, in part refreshing, surprising, interesting. I'm just curious where we're going with this. Um, do we do we get like 20 miles? It's a fairly inexpensive experiment. Yeah. You know, we've got so much manpower in South Texas now. Um, and if if this were if this were in any way successful and could reduce the manpower requirements, um, it would it would you know pay for itself. And a million dollars against the, the total of five billion that we're spending on the border um, uh, right now, a million dollars is couch change. So, even if it got to ten, bu- 10 million, it would still be couch change if it had. And, but measuring they, the state has not been completely honest in measuring the efficacy of its efforts. Uh, so, for instance, yes, uh, when they're I agree. referring to border arrests, <laughs> yes. some of those are traffic tickets for um, uh, uh, all the way up in San Angelo, which have nothing to do with the border. So. Yeah. Um, but, um, uh, and of course, this this was announced uh, pretty much after the legislative session. So um, uh, nobody is, there's no hearings scheduled on it, no review of the program, et cetera, from, from legislators. And, and I want so. that. I, and if there's lessons to be learned, I want to adjust. I want something to work. We're, yeah. we're improvising something at the state level. I just want it, I want it to work. I think we have enough personnel with Texas Parks, Wildlife, with DPS. Uh, we even got out-of-state people coming down here. I think they could lock arms every quarter mile if they wanted to. And if, they, if we really wanted to shut down the river so not a single bit of fentanyl, not a single bit of illegal drugs, not a single bit of of uh, illegal human trafficking, sex, if, sex trafficking, if we want, I think we could, if we put it on the river, almost, almost to the point of locking arms, uh, along with, uh, you know, the DPS dodgeballs we put out there. And, and like I told the governor a long time ago, border boats. I mean, how, how big is our fleet? How, how much would it cost to increase our fleet? Two, three times, put more boats on the river and make sure nothing comes across. I I know we could do that if we really committed to it, but I, I just want something that works. Uh, well, the, um, um, the I, I have many disagreements with the governor, but one thing I will agree with him on is that the federal government has pretty much dropped the ball on this, yes, sir. and is so far down their list of priorities, um, uh, which isn't casting judgment on on 
there, there are other priorities. It's simply saying the border is is clearly not one of them, and um, and so the governor does get some um, uh, kudos for at least making an effort to uh, tighten up access. Um, but uh, uh, the, the the broader solution is going to be both legal, procedural, and because uh, we do want some folks coming across, we just don't want these tidal waves of folks coming across. Ten four, yeah, it's called trade. Yeah. And we got the yeah. port of entry for that and protect that. Absolutely. Thank you, Mr. K. Right. We'll call you again, sir. And again, look him up uh, online. Quorum Report uh, from Austin. All this awesome reporting from our state capitol. You know, it's the non-sexy news. It's the non-Washington news that you need to pay attention to because it affects all our lives and our pocketbook. The Quorum Report online. Harvey Kronberg. This is The Sergio Show. Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. One of the, well, actually the biggest political story for the Rio Grande Valley this week. A friend of mine, Maida Flores, congresswoman, former congresswoman, Republican, Maida Flores, she was on Fox News uh, earlier this week and said she's running again. She's going to try to take that seat back from Vicente Chente with the leftist gente, as I refer to him. Maida Flores is running for Congress, and Maida joins us on the line. My friend, how you been? Thanks for joining us. Good morning. How are you? Good. Uh, doing well, my friend. I can't complain. So you and I have talked Keeping about up this. a good fight. Yeah, well, <laughs> trying to do our part. We're blessed to still be here talking about stuff here in South Texas. I I asked this of you before, and, and I know you've been working for some um, political advocacy groups and business groups, and you've been doing lots of commentary. And, and I understand how for many weeks, having been in the mouth of the beast, going to Washington, running campaigns, the ex- exhaustive work, and at the same time, you know, you've got your, your husband at Border Patrol, you've got your babies to take care of, and, and I understood your hesitancy initially to say, say you know, I'm going to run for this seat again. So what was it, Mike, that pushed you over the edge and say, you know what, we need to make a run for this again? Our kids. Uh, our kids are worth fighting for. Our community is worth fighting for. Seeing the thousands of children that are being brought into the United States, yeah. you know, to be sold into child sex trafficking. This administration has lost track of 85,000 children. Seeing the movie Sound of Freedom and realizing how this country is the number one in child pornography, child sex trafficking, and how we need awareness, but we also need to put in place policies that put these monsters in prison for the rest of their lives. 
yes, you know, I want to strengthen the economy, secure the border, keep Social Security and Medicare, make our education better and and all. But none of that matters if we can't keep our children safe. And that needs to be our top priority. And I just feel that the Democrat Party, unfortunately, has just gone so far, so extreme to the point that they are taking away the custody of our children if we do not support gender ideology, if we don't support our child transitioning, being injected puberty blockers. I mean, this is insane. If you asked me 10 years ago that this would be happening in 2023, I would have never believed it. Yeah, that a, That is not who we are. It's a as bi- Americans. It's a bizarre world that we're in right now. I, yeah, I, I never thought this issue would be the, the number one social issue that they champion on the extreme left, just beyond lunacy. Maida Flores, Republican, former Congresswoman, Republican, for Browns before Cameron County and areas north of here. Uh, she was our congresswoman in a after a brief um, in a, a brief for a brief period after a special election, and, and now she she's going to fight for that seat that uh, to try to defeat um, Democrat Amen. Vicente Chente Gonzalez and go back up to Washington. When it comes to the the standard numbers, uh, the statistics on Democrat versus Republican, the political makeup of the voter base. The difference between the D and the R, it's all based on how the population voted for the current president. That is a pretty deep well to to try to draw uh, a victory from. Can you share anything, any comments from folks uh, in leadership of the Republican Party? Because I know this is like the one and only seat they they want to flip in Texas the next go around. Uh, what, What can... Uh, folks who want you to win, what can they do to get you over the hump? Is, is it more voter registration? Is it reaching out to the churches? Uh, more block walking? Do, uh, can they send more teams down here to talk about these poignant issues and, and some of the craziness on the left that no longer represents the Rio Grande Valley? All these people who still proudly call themselves Democrats, but man, that's that's not their Democrat Party anymore. What, what can you do to, to try to win here in South Texas? Well, unfortunately, prior to 2022, the Republican Party had never invested in South Texas, right? 22 was the first time ever that Republicans had invested in South Texas. And we overperformed in our district. We had one of the biggest overperformance um, in the state, in in the country. But it takes it takes time. And I felt that I ran out of time. We planted the seed in 2022. And now we're going to see the fruit of our hard work and continue knocking doors, continue making the calls, but also fighting back. You know, my opponent told the people of South Texas, Myra is going to end Social Security and Medicare. You know, a complete, complete lie. And a lot of our elderly community rely on Social Security and Medicare. So they believed in in these lies, which is a complete lie because it's, actually the opposite. It's the overspending of the Democrat Party that is killing Social Security and Medicare. I'm doing the opposite. I'm fighting for Social Security and Medicare. I worked with the elderly community for seven years. 
I will always fight for for them, but also for our children, for parental rights, and getting the message out there. So I I feel that you know a lot of times I stayed quiet on a lot of issues. And I just thought that the people would not believe a lot of these lies. But unfortunately, you know, a lot of people did believe that yes. I would take yes, away their do. Social Security and Medicare. Yeah. So we got we to gotta fight back. You know, we can't just allow them to continue spreading this narrative. You know, they, they told women also that, you know, Myra is against, you know, the issue of the pro-life and the pro-choice was, was huge, right? Yeah. So they told women that if their life was at risk, that I wouldn't support that. And that's crazy. Yes, I'm pro-life, but I stand with women who've had, had to make that difficult decision. You know, it's, it's heartbreaking that they would use these circumstances of women going through difficult times and, and pain to push this agenda when my opponent, Vicente Gonzalez, supports late-term abortion. He voted for abortion up to nine months with no restrictions. I mean, this is insane. That This is not who we are. I, I believe that, you know, we must fight for for life. If we don't fight for life, I mean, that's the end of humanity. Maida Flores, Republican, she is running to retake Congressional seat 34, that would be Brownsville, and Cameron County. And she announced this week, she was on, on cable TV and talked to a reporter and said, yep, I'm running again, so here we go. And I would imagine you have received <laughs> assurances from leadership up in D.C., Republican Party, you know, the big pockets, the ones who can afford to fund a preemptive messaging uh, to counteract any lies. You know how it is? Lies will make it halfway around the world before the truth it gets out of the starting block. So on the issue of Social Security and protections for the seniors, the fight against inflation and for a freer economy that is more market-driven and will lower prices, including on the energy side, for everybody to afford, and all these other issues that are, you know are salient, very important with a local voting base. Uh, it seemed to me that you never can start too early. and It's going to take money. You never can start too early to position Absolutely. yourself and and make sure to set that foundation so nobody tells your story other than you and, and in the mind in spanish broadcasting spanish advertising get that to the minds of the electorate to fight for our kids our seniors our country and for our values it seems to me that it might be a bit more expensive but hey you did get the assurances from people up up and up there up absolutely to, we're to gonna have you. the funding okay to fight back absolutely we're gonna have the funding to fight back and i'm so glad that the republican party continues right. to invest in the hispanic community did it take much convincing for your hubby to say oh hey, Papa, we got to do this did it take a, was that a long conversation no, with him it, huh? he, he convinced me <laughs> oh, he's the one to convince you <laughs> <laughs> he convinced me so, <laughs> and my father and my father as well me, yeah, Papa, yeah. I know right. <laughs> so, so no it, um, they try, they pushed a lot you know for me to, to do this and um, well, I wouldn't have done it without their blessing and of course you know through prayer we made this we made this decision yeah I can just imagine how that conversation so if they're the ones who were pushing you know, that, <laughs> you, I, I hope that you you shot back and said was well, so gay you're on babysitting duty. Apa, you're on babysitting duty. And your husband, you're on no babysitting duty. No yeah, there go. You're going to take care of the girls more often now. Get them dressed, get them ready for school, do the lunch, all that stuff. And 
I um. Oh yeah. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. But no, I've I've always had um, all the support from my husband and my family. My mother as well. She's always been here for me and, and supported me in all that I've done and continue to do. So I, again, I wouldn't have done it if they wouldn't have pushed me and, and convinced me and told me we're going to be here for you. You need to do this. No one else, awesome. you know, better than awesome. you. So and, and I need I'm, very, to, I'm very blessed to have their support. Remind everybody, and for folks who don't know, uh, Maida Flores, her husband, uh, is a Border Patrol agent. Still active, right? Still in, in the Border Patrol? Still? Yes. Okay. He's still a Border Patrol. Right. Yes. yes, sir. He's, he's our Border Patrol agent, and a shout-out to all our Border Patrol agents. Thank you for, for all that you do and for thousands of lives that you save every single day we're forever grateful and you're you're our heroes thanks for the call Maida. congratulations and we wish you the best in in this fight to retake 34 Maida flores former congressman republican again announcing she is running to try to take back congress 34 this is the sergio show